Welcome to Opening the Door Podcast. Join me as we unlock the door to your psychic and mediumship abilities. Did I say that right? That's really weird. I usually don't have trouble remembering that phrase. (laughs) Welcome to a second episode this week. You are hearing this on Friday, and this is part two to Anthony and I's conversation about the book, The Awake Dreamer. We jump right into it. Obviously, I just split this conversation in half. So you're going to hear Anthony mention sleep paralysis, then we jump right into it. So we're talking about sleep paralysis, lucid dreaming, astral travel, all that stuff. And uh, the concept of time, I believe, is in this second part too, which just is such a fascinating conversation and something I would definitely want to dive into deeper on this podcast. So hope you love that. Hope you love this second part too. And as I mentioned at the very end of this podcast episode, we're talking about birthday week next week. So it's the podcast birthday next week. You'll hear from me. Um, I'll, we'll have a birthday episode. I will hopefully be launching my website, all that good stuff. So look forward to next week as well and have a wonderful weekend. Sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis. I have never had it myself. Have you? I don't know. Because I don't, I am a weirdo. I am a fucking weirdo. If I know that if something like this were to happen, I would just sit there and be like, huh, wonder what's going on. Um, I have always assumed, and it says it in here that sleep paralysis is like your bot, your astral body just hasn't made it back, but your, your physical body's starting to wake up. And so it's like your astral body and physical body just aren't, aren't together. That's my, it's always been my Yeah. It's but- so freaky. I, I, yeah, I don't, I, I hope it never happens to me because it does sound like very scary. Do you think, I mean, there's so many common things that happen to people when they have sleep paralysis, like the witch on your chest, I think is Mm -hmm. one of them or like the old hag or whatever. Like there's some really common things that so many people experience. And I, I just feel like, how can that be a coincidence? You know, I, that, that is, I, that's why I want it to happen to me. I want to know who this bitch is. Who's this witch? I want to meet her. Ah, devil. Yeah. I, I don't know. And, and that's the hard thing is cause I don't, I just, I, I, I want sleep paralysis. Please, please. Oh my gosh. Anthony, you be careful what you wish for, honey. Oh, listen. Oh my I've gosh. Got blue. I want, you listen to you. I want sleep paralysis. Oh my God. <laughs> I, I, hope you text, I hope you text me tomorrow morning and you're like, I met her. I met her. She's fine. She just is there to keep track. I have, so I have a journal and the very first entry in it is me waking up in the middle of the night. This is like in 2011, I think. Uh-huh. And seeing two people in my, I think two people in my, in my, my apartment and my ex, my very first boyfriend ever was sleeping and he had sleep apnea really bad. Right. And I saw someone sitting on his chest, like sitting on him, sitting on his chest. And I was so scared. I ran into the bathroom with my journal and I was writing on the toilet. I was just writing what I was seeing because I was like, I have to document this. I don't know what the hell's going on. And he, he wasn't stirring. He wasn't doing anything. It didn't seem like anything was wrong. So I just kind of didn't say anything. So I'm like, this boy, I mean, how am I supposed to tell him like, Hey, by the way, I woke up and last night and there was like a spirit of somebody sitting on your chest, you know, and fast forward like 10 years. And I I'm reading, I saw that journal and I'm reading it and I'm like, it hit me. I'm like, Oh my God, he had sleep apnea so bad that he would stop breathing. And I was like, they were helping him 
to keep him awake. They were keeping him from stopping breathing. They were up there like helping him breathe essentially like, cause they were sitting like on his chest. Like I was like, no shit, Sherlock. Maybe that's why subconsciously I just didn't stop wake him up or anything like that. But like, so like when I think of like, I can't move, I can't move. Like what if somebody's just like holding you down because you're about to fall out of bed or what if something's mm. like happening and you're just being kept safe? Like, you know, I don't know, like shit like that. So I don't know. I want it to happen. I, I'm going to put it out there right now. I With- uh, I want it to happen for you too. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just let you know. <laughs> like it was fine. Send um, me a okay. text. Let me know. Can I tell you about the story that scares me the most in this chapter? Yes. The one about the monk and that creepy little thing that like infiltrates his room and says all that creepy stuff to him. Oh yeah. Here it is. So it says, so this what, is, um, what page? Okay, I'm on page 87. This is from Lex Nover's fascinating book, Nightmare Land. He recounts two terrifying cases of nightmares that occurred during a liminal age. Okay, so this is a Catholic monk. He told this guy that he was like half asleep, half awake. And then he got like cold chills all over his body before hearing someone mumbling in the corner of his bedroom. And then he, when he looked over, he saw a small man who resembled, resembled a ventriloquist doll speaking in a language he didn't understand. I he got out it. of bed and grabbed the little man by the leg and threw him at the ceiling. The strange little man landed on the floor and scurried under the bed and then popped out the other side of the bed, turned his head, and he said, he said, the monk said he heard him clear as a bell and he had no trouble understanding. The guy, the little creepy man said, we have him. Christ is burning. The hummingbird men have him. Like, what the fuck? I'm so scared. Like, what the fuck? I literally was so scared reading that. I was like, what the fuck? If that happened to me, I don't even know what the fuck I would do. (laughs) All I'm going to say is that, ew. I would wash my room in holy water. I want to know who the hummingbird men are so badly. (laughs) I'm so scared. Like, what is that? Why are they burning Christ? Um, (laughs) That is insane. Oh my gosh. Listen, I, this is my favorite. I might actually go back through and reread this chapter because I really like this. Well, I just love this idea. Here's the thing is I, I used to be so terrified of seeing hippos. I called them hippos. Remember that? Did I remember that? Yeah. Like just quick, like cat recap when I was younger and, um, we, we saw ghosts, we would never say, Oh, there's a ghost because we thought that you, if you said there's a ghost and acknowledge the presence, they would bother you. They would like stay around. But if you did, if you gave them a nickname and said, Oh, I'm seeing a hippo. So we called ghost hippos so that they didn't know we could see them. Anyway, going back to this, I was so scared. And then when I made like the realization, like the person sitting on my ex's chest, like, oh, they were probably there just helping him breathe. They were there helping him breathe. Sometimes things seem a lot scarier, but if you just kind of quit resisting and don't get, get over the fear aspect of them, it might still not be the safest thing, but you don't have to be afraid of everything. Like you can, you can be protected. You can call protection or you can't, you know? And so I just think I embrace the dark. I love embracing the scary shit. It's my favorite. Speaking of the one thing that I was wanted to stop and read talking about kind of like, uh, self psychic self and Dion Dion fortune wrote in psychic self-defense she's talking about how we can also be haunted by our own thoughts and emotions and dreams and how um this guy saw a man in the astral plane that he was being eaten by millions of maggots she says um she wrote in here and the thought appeared to him in his mind that the maggots were symbolized how the man is in his actual life 
He was eating himself alive with negative thoughts and the lack of self-love. So thinking about like sometimes your nightmares and stuff like that might be a reflection or if you're might be a reflection of your own personal thoughts of yourself. So that I thought that was really cool and very interesting. Deepest fears, some of your deepest fears come out and they don't come out to scare you. They come out so that you can work with them and work and understand them. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I thought that was cool. It's here to heal. Exactly. Hypnagogic jerks. Tell me about that. Have you had those before? Yeah. When you're like like about to fall asleep and you're like, yeah, your body just jerks. I'm just going through psychic protection. We always love protection. I loved the little, um, on page 99, the little blessing that she writes in here to your higher power before falling asleep, asking for protection. Maybe I should do that before I have my sleep paralysis. Yeah, Um, maybe. (laughs) Like this one, when I was taught when a child, I'm going to say the prayer for you guys. Bless this bed that I lie on, four corners to my bed, four angels around my head, one to watch and one to pray and two to guide me on my way. I thought that was so cute. And also I've heard her, I believe I've heard her say that on the pod. One thing that this is reminding me of is when I was a kid younger and I would be like afraid in the dark in my room, I would wake up afraid or just like have feelings of fear before I went to bed. I would like, I would have my eyes closed trying to fall asleep. And I would imagine two angels standing at the head of my bed, like one on either side. And I would just pretend that they like were filling the room with light while I was asleep. So I was like using little psychic tools and stuff before I even knew what was going on but this just reminded me of like the four corners to my bed like I would imagine angels like around it and they would be like just pouring light and I would be like my room isn't really dark right now because like the angels are are lighting it I don't really do that anymore but it is a I do do like a light over um sometimes like over my bed but that's really cool I I love that. And I'm glad that you just said that because that segues into my, one of the most favorite things that I got from this book in psychic protection. But before I say this, look at you being a little psychic kid being just like in front at the front of the line of psychic protection without even realizing (laughs) it. Um, That was, that's cool. So Samantha Faye writes in here about psychic protection and creating a shield around yourself. And this is something that I think every single person working in this world needs to know and needs to hear. It is not enough for you to just put a shield around yourself. You should put the shield around yourself and then imagine things being trying to get through that shield and bouncing off of it. Um, I, the shield protects me from negative thoughts, people, experiences, memories, entities, and actions. Next, imagine a dog running toward you and see the dog bouncing off the light of your shield. The picture of a charging, then picture a charging bull running toward you and see the bull also being pushed away by the strength of your shield, blah, 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 arrows, anything like that. Seeing this and imagining this, these things bouncing off your shield, it's almost like a way to fully activate it and to understand the power that you hold and the power of your shield. I, uh, she didn't write that. I said that TM trademark. No, um, I just think that that is probably just one of the best pieces of advice when it comes to psychic protection. And I'm going to tell you right now, I am stealing it. I'm teaching it to everybody. And I will definitely give you all the credit, Samantha Faye, because that is so fucking cool. I love that. Yeah. I love that too. I think, especially like you said, like there are, 
you don't have to be like actively fearful, but there are things to like be watching out for and like be very aware of. And yeah, like doing things like this is is really helpful, especially if you are going to dabble in astral travel, if you are going to dabble in even lucid dreaming, I think can get weird sometimes. Um, so yeah, if you're going to dabble in this stuff, like, like we said on the podcast before, like, don't be a dumb bitch, like be smart, <laughs> be a smart bitch. And smart if bitch. you're going to dumb bitch, be a smart bitch. And if you're going to be like me and dabble in sleep paralysis, be a dumb bitch. <laughs> you're a dumb bitch right now. I have to say you're freaking me out. I met her. She had red hair and <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> um, the last thing I want to talk about is in this chapter, we talk about, she talks about cord cutting. And I really think that the one thing about cord cutting, cause we always think about like needing to cut cords with people, with places and all that kind of stuff. But we don't remember that we need to cut the cord to the aspect of ourselves that is, is there. So, um, I, I really appreciate this because I, I taught, I had a, in one of my recent readings, I had to talk to somebody about cord cutting and I said, you know, it's not enough just to cut because of this, it is not enough to cut the cord to the person. You need to cut the cord to the aspect of you that wants to be there. That has mm-hmm. this toxic codependent relationship with that person. And I love that. I think she even wrote writes in here about like, even with, like your, like your connection to financials, like maybe you're not smart with your finances. Well, what's the aspect of you that is injured that needs to be cut off, that needs to go away or needs to be healed? Obviously you don't want to cut that. You need to heal that, but there's an aspect of you that needs that, of that cord. So I want to cut cord, the cord with, um, you know, financial issues, right? So you can't just cut the cord to that. You have to cut the cord to the person that, that is not good at spending, saving money, essentially. I just thought that was really cool. I think I might've over-explained a little bit, but super awesome information there. And to keep in mind, just like the shield, I thought that was really awesome. So one thing I want to talk about in this healing dreams chapter is sort of just something that I tabbed, which is cool. Like it says the ancient Greeks believed so much in the healing power of dreams that they practice something called dream incubation in which the afflicted, uh, in which the afflicted traveled to a dream temple and underwent a series of purification rites, including fasting, exercise, bathing, prayers, and offerings to the God. Then a dream priest anointed them with oils said to induce dream recall, recall and sent them to sleep in a section of the temple. I want that life. No. I want to work in a dream temple. Doesn't that sound so lovely? That sounds like a freaking dream. <laughs> yeah. Like a, literally a dream. That's um, so and then fucking cool. That is literally the only thing I tabbed in the physical, in the healing part of dreams. And then I, and then we're on lucid dreams, which I'm really excited to talk about. So lucid dreaming is just the state of being aware of yourself in your dream while you are dreaming. Mm-hmm. This has happened to me when I was younger a few times. I had dreams where I had lost my watch in the elementary school I had I was going to. And I was running around looking for the watch. And then I just stopped, dead stop in the dream and thought, I don't need to do this. I'm in a dream. Like I would just stop and be like, and just realize like I don't need to be worried about the stressful thing that's happening because I'm I'm dreaming. So that's as far as my lucid dreaming has gone. And in this chapter, she talks about sort of how to, oh, oh wait, let me, let me read this dream that she has, because I think this is really cool. She has a recurring dream that she's standing in front of her guide who tells her to flap her arms. And then she says, as I do, so in the dream, I begin to fly in these dreams. I'm always aware that this is a dream, but I decide to go with it because it feels so liberating to fly up and away to anywhere I want to go. 
This is a key aspect of maintaining lucidity in a dream. If you become frightened or startled as you recognize that you're dreaming, you will most likely awaken from your lucid dream. So first of all, I think that is such a cool dream to have. This is what I am asking of my guides. Just like you want to have sleep paralysis, I want my guides to teach me how to fly, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Listen, don't come for me in my sleep paralysis. I've had so many dreams of flying. So many dreams of flying. But no, that it is really kind of cool. And to be aware of it, I don't know. I wish I could control the lucid dreaming. Does that make sense? My husband is a very good lucid dreamer naturally. And I'm really jealous. Like he'll be able to be in a nightmare or like be in a dream and just be like, he would do this a lot in college. He would just be like, I changed the dream. I Mm -hmm. realize it's a dream and I just start to manipulate the whole thing. And I'm like, oh, that's so fucking cool. I've Mm -hmm. only ever really gotten to the point of knowing I'm dreaming and that hasn't happened in so long. So what I do want to say is one of the things I became really interested in this year is lucid dreaming and astral travel. And we'll talk about astral travel a little bit later in in this, but um, I have tried a few of these techniques for the past few weeks that she gives. One of them is just counting backwards. And between every number you say, I will lucid dream tonight. So I've done that a lot. And the other thing is falling asleep with binaural beats, which are basically like two different beats that create a third type of like vibration in your head. So it's Mm -hmm. meant to help induce lucid dreaming. And I, it's best listened to with headphones And I had a really hard time falling asleep with headphones in. But what I will say is I got some vivid imagery before I fell asleep. So I got, I saw like a pair of hands on a journal, which was really interesting, like very vividly flash in my mind's eye. And then she also says while you're doing that to sort of just watch what happens behind your eyes. And this has happened to me other times where I haven't listened to binaural beats, but I start to see like this crazy moving grid behind my eyes, like on, you know, like if you close your eyes and you look at your eyelids basically. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I start to see this moving, shifting. Sometimes it looks like I'm going through like a portal, this like grid. And it's usually either like greenish or purpley. And Mm -hmm. when I focus on it, it like moves like a mandala kind of like in and out. And like, this is so cool. I'm like, this is so cool. What's going to happen next? And then, and then I can't like hold on to it for like a super long time. But I think the binaural beats did help sort of stimulate that. Oh, that's Um, so cool. Yeah. That said, I have not been able to lucid dream through these tactics yet, but I am hoping to continue. The other thing that people say to do, which I have been doing too, is throughout the day, just look at your hands and like notice that you have hands basically. And it Mm -hmm. sort of trains your brain to, if you do become a little bit aware in a dream to like, look at your hands and then get lucid from doing that somehow. That's brilliant. So I have been doing that and I can't wait to update people when it finally happens, but it hasn't happened for me yet. I'm I'll, I'll be excited for you. I am one of those annoying people that just lucid dreams very easily. Like I can, I can, especially like in the recent weeks, like I can wake myself up and be like, okay, this is a dream, but I'm going to keep going with it. Like, let's see what happens type of situation. So have you ever heard this before your dream about the watch kind of like you lost your watch? Have you ever heard about like if you are lucid dreaming and you're around people, you should ask them, what's the time? What time is it? Or what time do you have? Or what's the date? 
I heard that you like shouldn't do that or else something bad happens. Listen, no, they get weird. Like apparently what happened is they go, you don't need to know that here. You don't need that. Or they get like real angrier with oh, you. Oh, that's so scary to me. Oh, I did it. I totally did it. Well, what happened? And it wasn't, oh, I'm getting chills. <laughs> so I heard this on the Morbid podcast, um, which is another really fun podcast to listen to if you like dark, deep, tor- tormented shit, but also like to laugh. And so I had been in a dream and I remember being in my, in this dream and realizing it and turning to the person and saying, Hey, what, what, what's the day today? And do you know, like how, like when a crack of thunder hits, it just changes the energy. Like it spooks you for a second. And you're like, Ooh, it was like that. It was like the entire vibration of the dream shifted. And they were, they just, everybody just, everybody stopped and just stared at me. And I woke, I woke up. I was like, Oh, that was weird. Very fucking weird. I'm not even kidding you. Weird. If you dream and that happens, I'm just saying, try it. See what happens. Oh my gosh. Okay. You know what? Like after I lucid dream, like 10 times, I'll try that. <laughs> I'm going to get spooky one time for you. I'll be spooky one time. Please. Thank you. I feel like in, in this podcast, I'm Samantha Fane, you're Deb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'm the scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm afraid. Oh my God. But I, I also like, Ooh, dark things. Like I am kind of interested, but I'm also like oh. a little bit afraid for sure. But so, so okay. Interested. That really brings up like just a really big question that I have, which they talk about. Samantha talks about and touches on the book is like, where are we when we dream? Where do we go? So Deb from the psychic teachers podcast, she is of the belief that everything we dream of every person, everything, every place is an aspect of ourselves that is projecting by our, our own self. I don't, I think that's really interesting. I'm not sure that I'm of that belief too, but I think it's cool. And then they talk a lot about obviously like soul travel. And there's a lot of quotes in this book about how our soul goes somewhere every night, you know, goes dreaming every night, goes astral on the astral plane every night. Like where is, where, where, I guess, like, what do you think? Personally, I think that it's, I just think it depends. I feel like I've had dreams where I do go somewhere and then I have dreams that where I'm not anywhere. I'm just in my head working on some shit that needs to be worked through, you know? So I feel like someplace, sometimes I'm in somewhere and sometimes I'm in here, you know, where I'm I'm pointing at my head. And so I, I don't know. That's, that's a very good question. And um, okay. The other night I had a dream that I was at this house and, um, I was, it was a, a real rundown house and my mother who I don't currently like fully, I don't have a full contact relationship with her. That sounded really weird, but do you know what I'm saying? Like non, yeah. no contact, you know, mm-hmm. um, like she messaged me happy birthday and that's the most I've heard from her in almost a year. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. and, and I'm not saying that for any other reason, but I had a dream that she was in it and she was, yeah, she was like, tr- like kind of like being not angry with me, but it was like, she was trying to manipulate me into doing something or giving her something. And I was just kept saying, no, you're not going to do this. And I, the place we were at was just like a rundown house. It like, wasn't, I don't know that it was any particular place. I think the dream was just more for me processing and working through the fact that, you know, I had been texted by my mother and Mm -hmm. it stirred up a lot of emotions. I mean, does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. But then I'll have dreams. I, I consistently will have dreams of being in a house. Um, and I've had their, their reoccurring dreams. So it's either my farmhouse 
but I, the, the house that I lived in when I was in high school, which my family still owns, or I'll be in another house somewhere, a big, another big house. And I always find like extra rooms that I didn't know existed and stuff like that. Um, it's that to me is very kind of, in my opinion, is very Kashuk records to an extent, like finding mm-hmm. extra places in, in your house, you know, something new opening up and stuff like that. And so, you know, that dream, I know I am somewhere, you know what I'm saying? Like I am somewhere where I'm learning something and stuff like that. So I just think it just depends. What have, what have you, what have you come to understand about that so far? Hmm. I think this book is probably the most comprehensive look I have had at dreams and other people's dream experiences. And I think I really love the idea of soul travel and dream work. I think it is so, so cool. And I definitely think I have had definitely dream work things, but I think I agree with you. Like sometimes like that super smash dream, like I think sometimes our brains are just working through things. And and when I journal, I can usually tell by the, wh- how the thread of the dream is going. I'm like, oh yeah, that something similar happened yesterday. So I'll know kind of like, okay, this was my brain working through things. And then sometimes I will have deeply impactful dreams where like I receive messages and I see things and I'm helping people like the staircase thing is not the first time that I've been on a staircase, like helping people up pass through things and stuff like that. So I think like, I think I agree with you. I think it's a mix of both and, mm-hmm. and like, why couldn't it be both, you know? Yeah, so, for sure. Yeah. Some of it's psychological and some of it's work. Some Clock of it's in, spiritual. Baby. But yeah. I do wish that I could have more, like, I love Samantha's, like, she talks about like reading people on a seaside cafe. Like, I kind of wish I had more very very vivid dream work dreams and I do Mm -hmm. ask for that like she talks about how like the few years before she even started to work she was going to psychic school in her dreams and I ask so often I I I will be falling asleep and be like to my guides will be like can you take me to psychic school tonight and I never remember like I I hope one day to remember but I also hope that like even if I don't remember that that might still be happening you know well, and she writes that in here. It's like, sometimes when you don't remember your dreams, you are still getting, you are still working on stuff. You just don't remember it. Like your soul needs to remember it, which I thought was really cool. All right, let's move on to astral travel because yes. I have a really cool dream about that. Okay, so the definition that Samantha gives for astral travel. So astral travel is a method of projecting your soul out of your body to journey into other realms. First of all, how cool. Fuck yeah. So cool. I love that. You know, one thing I think that was really interesting that she mentioned is like, I know a lot of people talk about astral travel, sort of that cord coming out of your chest, but she Mm. also cites that a lot of people see a cord coming out of their third eye, which I think is really cool. I love the idea of time, like alternate, alternate dimensions and alternate time dimensions or whatever timelines, excuse me, time dimensions, also, also known as time timelines the story about the woman who was complaining how the elderly woman answered the door. Um, everything is now it says here, a paranormal investigator once told me a fascinating story about an alleged haunted house that he was called to investigate. The elderly woman answered the door and told him of her house was haunted by noisy children. 
Yes, and sometimes I they go running the story, right? Um, sometimes they go running through the door, uh, the kitchen laughing and leaving the cabinet doors open. Sometimes she heard them playing in the backyard. The children weren't mean or scary. She said, but it still frightened her. Of course I would be fine too. Years later, when the investigator returned to check on the woman again, a young mother answered the door. She explained that they'd recently moved in after the previous owner had died. When the investigator explained why he was there, the young mother's face went pale. But what was so strange, he said, finally, my children talk about seeing a ghostly apparition of an elderly woman sitting in the living room. The investigator was shocked. Perhaps this was no haunting at all, but rather mysterious time loop where the future was bumping into the past as he left. This is the this part. He heard the mother call to her children. Kids, stop leaving these kitchen cabinet doors open. Girl. I love this story. It blows my mind. Okay. Like thinking about time. So mm-hmm. there was just a scientific discovery that they like, basically I'm going to butcher this probably. They basically found like sort of this, like, I'm just going to Google time is a choppy sea because like basically there was this scientific discovery. Scientists say space time churns like a choppy sea. Okay. Uh Like it's not a flat circle. It Mm -hmm. churns like a choppy sea. And there's this really great quote by Einstein who was, he was talking to like the wife of one of his deceased friends. And he Mm -hmm. said, you know, he's not really gone time is like a mountain range and he's just on the other side of a mountain right now. So that really like, it makes me think a lot about mediumship Mm -hmm. and ghosts Mm -hmm. and how we connect. And I don't know, it blows my mind and I, I have trouble verbalizing it, but it makes me think a lot about and wonder a lot about mediumship in terms of ghosts. If you are a paranormal investigator or you're just like finding a random ghost or witnessing a random ghost, what are you really witnessing? I have a really freaky story to share about this really based on this same type of thing, because just like this man sort of like was able to almost experience this time loop he I had something very strange happen to me I was babysitting and I so there's two kids in the house it was not my house and I fell went to sleep and I had had I just want to mention that I had had a really bad migraine so I went to bed really early I went to bed at the same time as the kids because I my head hurt so much and I what I thought was the middle of the night, it was around 11 or 12 actually. So it really wasn't very late. I woke up suddenly, my eyes were just open and across the way, I saw a man standing in the room across from me and he looked like he was holding something and we made eye contact and I, he, I probably looked shocked he also looked shocked to see me like I it was the first time I saw a ghost and thought first of all I wasn't thinking I was just getting up and yelling because I thought it was a real person like I thought a man was standing in that room when he was not meant to be so I immediately got up I screamed hey because I thought there was a man in the house okay ran into the room and obviously the way that the house is laid out there's no way he could have gotten out without bumping into me he was just gone 
and he I'm telling you when we made eye contact he looked shocked like what he he looked like what am I seeing right now you know and when I read this part of the book I thought did I experience the chalky sea of time oh my god and it wasn't really a ghost it was some sort of weird fucking I have total goosebumps right now it was some sort of weird fucking overlap in time because he saw me too a lot of the times I think when you see ghosts they're kind of aware of you but they're not looking at you you sense them you perceive them I saw this man so clearly that I thought he was standing in the house Mm -hmm. you know and I actually ended up walking the whole house to check that doors were locked and that nobody was in there and nobody was in there and I when I read this part of the book I felt so much clarity and I felt like whoa did I just somehow witness like the choppiness of time by accident and did he also I don't know what time he was from you know yeah that's fucking crazy crazy. oh my god I don't know what I would do if I would have been in your shoes I would have been screaming I would have called them like you need to get home now (laughs) I was like shaking I was like oh my god and also the weird thing is the kids did not wake up when I yelled. Really? They did not wake up. Yeah. That's wild. It was really weird. The whole thing was extremely unsettling. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean. Yeah. yeah. I get so like my adrenaline gets pumped and I get so excited, but also I get so freaked out. <laughs> yeah. I think it was also that like I had had a migraine and like getting jolted out of it. I actually think that the jolt of adrenaline that I got cured it. But yeah, this re- this part really resonated with me with just that experience that I had and feeling like, yeah, this certainly could be true, you know? Mm-hmm. This is, that's, I love that how much, I mean, that what you just said and what we I just read sounds very much so like that, you know? Like, Oh, and the fact that you said that he was just as surprised to see you. Yeah, like he perceived me also. And yeah. I was laying down. So I wonder if he just saw a woman laying down in the air or if mm-hmm. he saw what, like, what, you know, what was beneath him, too. That's so weird. Crazy. Yeah, it was so unsettling and Ugh. just really fucking crazy. Yeah. That's my favorite thing. Okay, that's wild. So then do you feel like, because we're talking about astral possession, astral possession, no possession here, (laughs) astral projection, do you feel that perhaps he was projecting to you? And then, or like, because it's a time thing, I understand. But like, I feel like in the astral world, it's like, you know, time is just a different whole concept, right? That We really get choppy there. So like, I'm wondering, I just, I, I see, this is the problem. And this is something that I'm really struggling with right now is I want to understand. I okay. want to understand this. And part of what I said earlier about, um, my dream where it was like, she hadn't learned it yet. My thought process is in the spirit world, every, like it says, it, I literally just said every, everything is now. So and it, it actually just clicked for me and I wrote it down. I don't know if you saw that. I was like writing yeah. something down frantically. Why I want to understand why, you know, you saw this man. He was so surprised to see you. 
you know, was he in spirit? If he wasn't in spirit, how was he there? You know, like how, you know, how are you seeing him then? You know, and, you know, in my case, when I saw the woman in my dream and she was still really judgy for someone in spirit, I was so taken aback. So I was just like, well, if she's, if she hasn't, if she is still so judgy and they say, well, she hasn't learned that yet. Well, how come she's, I don't know how to, to express what I'm saying or express what I'm thinking why if if time is everything is now why is she coming here as somebody who is still judgy do you know what i'm saying why mm-hmm. can't so and so's uh, husband whose face is melting off why can't he just come from the time where he's already learned it all you know what i'm saying mm, yeah. i want to understand that yeah, so badly. that's a really good point because like that makes a little time seem a little bit more linear like the mm-hmm. way we think of it I think that's such a good question. Ooh, I know that really has my brain turning. Like why? And so the, I, the, I'm... the way I think it works with this cab, this old lady in the cabinets and the young family, and maybe what I experienced was um, like, you know, when you're in the ocean and the water is choppy and sometimes there'll be like a little wave above your eyes and then it'll go down and you'll see something. And then another wave comes up and you'll see, you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. this. So uh-huh. I think what happened is we saw each other when both of our waves were like this and then immediately it goes back to being wavy we glimpsed each other boom 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 i'm making i'm making arm movements right now but if you're just imagining this like imagine being um like in the ocean about up to your uh you know up to your neck Uh and the water's a little choppy and you're seeing the water move in front of your eyes. Sometimes there'll be a wave so you can only see the water and sometimes it parts and you might be able to see somebody in front of you. I think that might be the way to describe what me and these this other story we read from the book experienced. Does that, that makes make so much sense. Kind of sense. Yeah. I like that. I mean, it makes sense. What what I wrote down about this thing real fast is yeah. that I so the person, the reason why in my dream, the mother came through as judgy and showing me that. And I was told that she hadn't learned it at that point in time yet. She came through from that timeline, from that point in her time in the spirit world. Because if I would have explained to the person that, oh, she's so sweet. She's so nice. She's so accepting. They would have been like, I don't know her. You know, that's not my mother. And in Samantha's thing with the man's face falling off, he came to his wife at that point in time. And I mean, I, and I'm not saying this is why this is happening. I'm saying, I'm assuming this, I should say, perhaps he, he was showing his wife this weird thing, his face falling off because he was going to convey that to Samantha so that Samantha would say, oh, he's saying, I'm sorry for the dreams. And that way the woman knew without a doubt, this is my husband. You know what yeah. I'm saying? For like the confirmation. Yes. I'm not sure if that's the reason why, but I, yeah. for that, for what I'm experiencing and my experience with that, my dream, it literally came through to me really fast. I had to write it down. I was like, fuck, I need to write this down. Cause I, that's one yeah. of the things that I would forget. Um, yeah, that makes so much sense. So incredible. So, so intriguing. I, it, it, the thing is, is what I'm at, what's happening with me right now. I keep saying this, what I'm going through right now is the need to understand is blocking me mm. from my readings. It's like blocking me from pulling through information it's like putting up a weird resistance so anyway Mm -hmm. I love the idea of astral travel have you experienced astral travel before 
No, I have not. And I want to say, like, as I said a little earlier, I, this was something I've become really interested in this year and I really want to. The only interesting astral travel sort of like little funny story I can tell is the other night, and this was a few weeks ago, as a joke before I rolled over to fall asleep, my husband was already drifting off. I said to him, see you on the astral plane. (laughs) And he, he said to me, no, I'm too tired. And I was like, okay, see you there, like as a joke. And then I, that night I had a dream that I see, I saw him sitting in a bar looking straight forward. And I came up to him and I said, we made it. We're both here. This is so exciting. Isn't this cool? And there was other people around and I was looking around. I was like, hey, hey, look, we're both here. And he just, I just saw him like staring forward, no emotion, no nothing. Like it was like he was there, but he was not there. And I almost feel like I made it to the astral plane and he didn't. And that was our little interaction. And it was very strange, but like, I don't know, that's just my little funny, my little funny astral story. Um, But I really would like to work. I decided to work on lucid dreaming first and then move to astral travel. Mm -hmm. But astral travel is really something that I'm super, super interested in, like mastering. I don't blame you. It is. I I've had one dream where I know I actually traveled and I've had one meditation where I really, I don't know. I'll tell you both in my dream, my brother and I, I constantly have dreams of flying on broomsticks Woo-hoo! and I, my brother and I were in my little small town that I grew up in, in Illinois. And, um, it was like before we moved to the country house and we were flying down the street on our broomsticks. And then we both flew back to our house and landed on the front porch. And my brother went to go inside. He goes, okay, well, I can't go with you to this next place. And I said, I just got really confused. And as soon as that happened, the dream shifted and I took off and it became dark, like just black. And I landed outside of the town in the middle of a field and I couldn't see very much around me, but just like, it was almost like there was a spotlight on me and like a radius that I could see in the field. And so I sat there and I was just in the middle of the field. And then I took off again and I went to go to the cemetery because I am a fucking weirdo. I told you a million times I went to the cemetery. And as soon as I went to go land in the cemetery, I fucking jerked awake. Like my body like jolted and I woke up. I was like, (gasps) like, what the fuck? Like, it was almost like they were like, you can't go there. You can't go to the cemetery. (laughs) Such an interesting fucking dream. The other dream, the other thing. So this is going to be quite the story and I'm going to try to consolidate it as much as possible. My husband was on a, was working on a cruise ship and we were just talking, right? There was a lot of really, like, there's a lot of drama on the cruise ship and he had called me crying. He was just very upset. Um, and I knew he was like, I have to go to sleep, blah, blah, blah. And I knew he was sleeping. And so I went and hopped in the bathtub and did a meditation and just went into my meditation. And I just, I envisioned myself going into, going to him, holding him like helping him to like work through this and like just being there with him and just like re- being just so loving and caring. And I just imagined what I felt. And I ima- like, it was like, I was, i really felt like I was there. And I told him, I said, if you remember this, talk to me about blue feathers, tell me about blue feathers. If you remember this. And I just kept repeating it. Tell me about blue feathers. I think I wish I could find the fucking screenshots of the text a day later. He messaged me. He goes, Hey, 
What does it mean to dream about a bluebird? Oh my gosh, that's incredible. He said, I found a blue, in my dream, there was a bluebird. I let it out of its cage and it was just so loving. It just kept loving on me and it was so caring. I'm not kidding you. I almost, I was at a Mexican restaurant drinking tequila and I almost fell off the fucking bar stool. I was so flabbergasted by it. I like couldn't speak. I was like, was lost for words. And I had to tell, I told him everything. So now if you ever see him comment on anything on Instagram, he calls me his bluebird. That's why. I thought I saw a post the other day with that in it. Oh my gosh. That is, that is amazing. Fucking crazy. So I don't know if that's astral travel or what it is, but it was definitely something. Oh my gosh. That is really cool. I just think that's amazing. I mean, that's just an amazing, if it's not astral travel, that's an amazing example of what you can do pushing things good things into people's like dreamscape which yeah. is super cool the thing about like astral travel that really fascinates me is this like this thing that people have that they really like see outside of their body I want to do that like I want to have an experience where I am extremely aware that I am leaving my body if that makes sense so mm-hmm. Samantha does give like some tips on how to do that she kind of does this sort of like guided idea of pulling your energy in and out of your body consciously sending relaxing energy like so you first like deeply relax and then you sort of imagine your energy floating up and out of your body so that's why I decided that to try to master lucid dreaming first Mm -hmm. because I think the astral plane is a completely different vibe that she doesn't get into too much in this book, mm-hmm. but it is, I think, really important to practice protection. Like there's a lot going on on the astral plane Absolutely. that's not just love and light, but it, it is really interesting to me to try. Like, I don't want to just experience it in a dream, like maybe that I did in that bar situation. Like, I just like, I don't know how to explain it. Like I want to experience it with my consciousness. I don't know. Does that make sense? I don't know. Yeah. No, like you want to be like, I, yeah, no, I totally make sense. There's so much in this book. There's so much, obviously. I think I'm probably going to make this a two-part episode. They'll probably both come out next week, but I think I'm going to make this a two-parter for people. And there is a lot in this book to explore. Mm -hmm. Anthony and I have basically just scratched the surface of what is in this book you know we're telling in like we're two hours in like two hours like we are telling stories we're going over really cool stuff that's said and like my encouragement to anybody listening who is really interested in this is to pick up this book like this is the guide this is what you want and so at the end of this book samantha basically gives a bunch of tips so one of them that's really cool is like use a dream mantra Mm-hmm. which I have been trying a lot for lucid dreaming. It's just like, as I fall asleep, I just repeat, I will lucid dream tonight. I will lucid dream tonight. So whatever your dream mantra wants to be, like, I think that is a really good, a really good tip. But yeah, there is so much in this book. And, you know, big shout out to Samantha for writing it. Like, thanks. Thank you. For real. And I I just, I'm so, I I feel like because of listening to them for so long, I'm so proud. Because I can tell you, I feel like in a lot of podcast episodes of Psychic Teachers, hearing about how Samantha just wanted to write a book so badly and for her to just manifest this shit and it be so good. I'm just so happy about it. I I feel 
that I have to add my favorite part of the entire book is the very, very, very end, how she ends it. And she says, sweet dreams. Yes. I love (laughs) that too. It is really such a good book. And I hope everybody Mm -hmm. just enjoyed Anthony and I dipping your toe into this book and telling lots of stories and there's so much weird shit that goes on in, in the dream world and really cool stuff too. And the the concept of time, I mean, like we dug in and oh. if you think we dug in, this was, there is so much more in this book. So oh, yeah. definitely, you know, suggest it. If you read it, let us know what you think. And uh, thanks for listening. And Anthony, thanks for coming on as usual. And just like talking with me forever mm-hmm. about, uh, about this book. Oh my God. I could talk to you forever about anything. Okay. Well, and Haley, happy almost one year anniversary, potiversary, potiversary. Yeah. Either way. Potiversary. Thank you. Thank you. I'll have a birthday episode out the week after this one comes out. And so, yeah, it'll be lots of fun celebratory. I think we'll probably be going live. Lots of fun stuff. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you love the podcast and listen on Apple, please be sure to rate and leave a review. If you want more from Opening the Door, follow along on Instagram at Opening the Door Podcast. Have a question about psychic work or psychic development? Email Opening the Door Podcast at gmail.com and you might have your question included in one of our future Q&A episodes.